Well, good evening, friends. Welcome back to Between the Shadows. We are your hosts. As always, this is Kristen. This is Kara. We're glad that you're here. So before we get started, before we get back into the recap, we just want to say thanks for joining us for episode 21. Next week, we're going to take a little break because the both of us are going to be at opposite ends of the country. Right. Um, I am going to California for the weekend and Kara is going to New York. Yeah, we'll be in New York for New York Comic Con. We're going to be there presenting my man's new project, Billy the Kid. So it'll be exciting. We'll be there for all four days. It's exciting. I'm just a little bit jealous, but (laughs) I'm going to hit Disneyland while we're in California. So (laughs) that's my consolation prize. Right. (laughs) Say hi to Ariel for me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So last time we chatted, we talked about the death of Barnabas. We talked about Angelique's curse. Yeah. And that's just to the point where we're up to. Victoria has been arrested for witchcraft by the so-called Reverend Trask. Mm -hmm. So that's just up to the point where we are. So Joshua, we know that Joshua, after Barnabas died, offered Angelique the original $10,000 that he offered her when he didn't want her to marry Barnabas. Right. But she was like, well, you offered me that much to leave. So he was like, fine, 20 grand in gold to leave town forever and not come back. Yeah. And he makes her sign a paper that states that she'll leave Collinsport. And this paper, it also ensures that Angelique will get the $20,000 plus whatever money comes from Barnabas's estate once it's settled now that he's dead. And she asks him to leave the paper so that she can think about it. And he's hesitant. And she was like, well, if this were Josette, would you trust her? Mm -hmm. You know, it's because Angelique is a maid. Angelique doesn't have any place of stature. So he's questioning her because Joshua Collins doesn't think that servants and people... kind are at the same level as they're definitely below him yes yeah so angelique does end up signing the paper before she goes to the mausoleum to take care of barnabas Mm -hmm. after she gets the stake from ben she packs a suitcase and tells ben how he died and what's going to happen once the sun goes down and ben took her to the secret room of the mausoleum and he locks her in there and says if he comes to life he'll settle you and that's Mm -hmm. exactly what he does yeah and he uses the logic that of angelique's curse that states whoever loves him will die so Mm -hmm. she's got to die by that rationale right so that's just up to the point where we are barnabas is now adjusting to his so-called new life as a vampire Mm -hmm. and the people in town are mystified and horrified about the deaths of you know several people in the town Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting to me because as soon as Barnabas gets up out of his coffin his whole demeanor changes yeah he goes from this sweet gentle man very tender and all of a sudden he's got a very gruff voice and he's full of hate and he's no longer afraid of Angelique he's no longer hesitant yeah and she's the one who's afraid of him and somehow he became devilishly handsome when he woke up as a vampire (laughs) not that he wasn't handsome before but now he's devilishly handsome he's dark and handsome yes yes (laughs) and Ben Stokes has promised to keep Barnabas is safe during the day and Barnabas doesn't want to do this at first you know his his whole demeanor has changed his whole attitude has changed mm-hmm. this man that he once you know held in high regard taught him how to write and read and trusted him thoroughly was like I don't know that I want to do that how do I know I can trust you mm-hmm. and Ben was like look I I have always been loyal to you I've, I've always been good to you I've always protected your family and Barnabas was like yeah okay I'm gonna need somebody and it seems that you know Ben Stokes is the best choice yeah 
he, you know, he trusted Ben explicitly and he never questioned him. But since he is now one of the living dead, he questions the one who's most loyal to him. Right. So he puts him to work immediately and he has him dig a grave for Angelique because there's no <laughs> way Barnabas is going to let her sit in the family tomb. After this, Joshua immediately shows up and immediately starts putting Ben down. He starts demanding to know why he's there and tells him that he'll be thrashed and he'll be punished for following the workman to the grave mm -hmm. because nobody's supposed to know. Nobody, like even Josette doesn't know where Barnabas was buried. The only ones who know where he was buried were his parents. And and now Ben, because he followed the workmen there, mm -hmm. Ben assures Joshua as well that the secret's safe, and then a bat flies out of the secret room, and Joshua, how did that get in there, you know? Huh. And Joshua tells him that his services are no longer needed at the old house, and that he'll come back to work for him with the new house. And I'm sure Ben's face and his heart just fell to the ground after He's that. Thrilled. <laughs> and Barnabas appears, he reappears once Joshua's gone, but his face and his collar are just, they're full of blood. They're mm -hmm. covered in blood. Mm -hmm. And Ben doesn't notice until they get back to the mausoleum and he asks him, Mr. Barnabas, are you hurt? What happened? And Barnabas, he's a brand new baby vampire. Mm -hmm. This is his first night out. And you can definitely tell because his whole chin and his neck and his collar area, it's, it's just, it's covered. And he has one of the most somber looks on his face that I think we've seen in this series so far. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. And he was like, nothing's happened to me but that poor villager, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he tells Ben that in the morning he may hear of an, uh, an attack on the town that would probably chalked up to some wild animal. But he, Barnabas, is the guilty party. Yeah. And I want to point out... While he's saying this, he's already a reluctant vampire at this point. Mm -hmm. It's his very first night out, and he's already reluctant and sorry and miserable to be a vampire. Mm -hmm. And he even tells Ben that after he awoke, after being dead, you know, he saw Angelique standing over him with a stake pointed at his heart and getting ready to bring the mallet down on top of the stake and kill him. And he says, I wish I had just let her go through with it. Ben was like, please don't talk like that. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas quickly tells him, he was like, I'd rather be dead than be the way that I am now. And he doesn't even have a season of enjoying this existence. Right. Like a moment. Yeah, it's it's immediately, he's like, I cannot believe what where I am, what I'm doing. At this, I'd rather be dead. But I guess in the very next scene, we go to Collinwood, and we see Natalie in the drawing room of Collinwood reading a book when Josette comes down the stairs and um, she is preparing to leave. Yeah. Uh, she tells Natalie that she has something very important to do in Collinsport and that she has to go down to the jail to see Miss Winters. Mm -hmm. Now, this is just my opinion, but, I mean, Josette has been climbing the walls since Jeremiah has died, and now Barnabas is dead. She's yeah. been sitting in her grief, you know, stewing, and this is all my fault, and she's guilt-ridden about Jeremiah, and... I think going down to the jail to see Victoria was kind of a knee-jerk reaction for her. Yeah. Jeremiah's been dead, and now that Barnabas is dead, she, she realized, you know, before Barnabas died, she realizes that her marriage to Jeremiah was a complete sham. Yeah. And... I think some of the guilt was alleviated once she realized she was under a spell yeah. and she realized that, oh my gosh, I really do love Barnabas. I was right. You know, I was right. Of course, it was too late because Barnabas is dead now. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that, you know, fueled her, her anger. And, but now that he's dead, she's ready to make the guilty one pay, you mm -hmm. know. And unfortunately, this just happens to be Vicky, at least in Josette's eyes. You know, she's looking for someone to blame. Somebody's got to pay for this. Yeah. You know, both men that I, you know, could have potentially been married to, they're both dead now, you know. And, yeah. and it's her fault. And Josette didn't even stop to consider that Vicky was the one who warned Josette that her life was in danger. And she gave herself up and told Josette that the book that foretold her death, it's in my room, Josette. Go find it. Mm -hmm. And that, pro that proves that I'm right. I'm not a witch. This is this is what's happened. 
And Naomi Collins says it later when Victoria warns her about Sarah. She says that witches don't warn people. Right. And even if Victoria had been from a future time, she still took the time and she took the risk to her own life to warn the Collinses of this impending disaster. Right. And Josette, she goes down to the jail and pretty much tells Vicky that she's going to do whatever it takes to help convict her of witchcraft. And she tells her that the book foretold of her death. But Josette, she kind of reconsiders and she's like, well, maybe that's the way I would have chosen to die. She's like, but I won't die until I've seen you hanged as a witch. I'll see to it myself. She doesn't listen to a word that Vicky is saying and insists that she's a witch. And she also tells, takes this opportunity to tell Vicky that Barnabas is dead and this just shocks the crap out of Vicky. Right. And Josette yeah. wasn't supposed to say anything, you know, because that was supposed to be their secret. But, you know, it's Josette and she's spoiled and she doesn't mm-hmm. care and she's used to getting her way. And I think this at this point it was a temper tantrum, honestly. Yeah. But And I, I understand that Josette is grieving and that Barnabas is gone and he was the most important thing to her. But she wouldn't listen to reason even when Vicky tried to tell her again of her own death. She was ready to make someone pay for Barnabas being dead, and it seemed like she didn't care whether or not she was a witch or not. Just somebody's got to pay. Yeah, somebody, yeah. And again, if she had been thinking rationally and put all the facts in front of her, I think that she could have figured out that Angelique was indeed the witch, especially with how shady and jumpy that Angelique acted when Barnabas was sick. Right. You know, it's the plague, it's the plague, I'm trying to get you out of here, and this is my house now, and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. did you not even see that? (laughs) I don't know, it just, it bugged. So at this point, you know, she Josette is gone, and Vicky is kind of like, Ugh. and she begs Peter, please let me go to Collinwood to re- retrieve this Collins family history, yeah. because Josette is like, I'm going to present that as evidence. She's like, I need to get that so that she can't do that. And after some persuading, Peter agrees. He's he's not only worried about her being caught, but you know, since there's been attacks in the village, he's right. worried about her safety too. Josette and the Countess call on Trask, and they tell him about the book and all the things that Vicky said to them about the future events. And Trask, he just has this way. He has he turns everything that they say into evidence that will convict Vicky as a witch. Exactly. Everything. And I'm still disappointed in Natalie. I know. Me too. Right. Going to Trask. You know how against Trash she was at yeah, first. Exactly. And I. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> I just had to say that. He. Trask even says that the attacks in the village are because of a witch. It's like they blamed it on an animal, but Trask is like, oh, it's the witch. It's the witch, yeah. you know. And he isn't wrong, of course, because but the person he's blaming is innocent, you know. Right. Angelique is the reason that Barnabas is a vampire. They've got it all twisted. Yeah, and, and Natalie proceeds to tell them that they will both testify, and she goes to get the book from Josette's room. And as soon as she gets there, she, of course, sees Vicky with the book, and she called me, Reverend Trask, Reverend Trask. Mm-hmm. But... As Vicky told Peter, she knows the walls of Collinwood very well, and she escapes via the secret tunnel in Josette's room. And right. they hightail it to the jail, and Peter tells them that Vicky's been asleep in her cell, her cell all night. Yeah. And it was a good tactic on Peter's part, but Trask is able to twist it into another act of witchcraft yeah. because now it seems that Vicky was in two places at once. Right. And Josette and the Countess have agreed to testify in court that they saw her at Collinwood at the same time that Peter said she was sleeping in her cell, which creates a problem. And Trask believes with this information, he can convict the court to have a swift trial and a death sentence handed down like immediately. And then at that point, Peter pretty much goes to Vicky after she gets back from Collinwood, tells her that he has to come clean to Trask, that he was the one who let her out of her cell that night mm-hmm. to go to Collinwood. Otherwise, like you said, 
He just twists it into making it sound like a form of witchcraft. Peter was like, I, I lied a little too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Vicky begs him, of course, not to go, just to wait it out. And she explains to him that she does care about him and what happens to him because he's the only one who's shown any kindness and understanding towards her, which is kind of untrue, Vicky, because Barnabas was kind to you. Yeah. And so was Jeremiah. Yeah. And they helped cover for you. But I get it. I think it well, and I think maybe she meant just while she was in jail. But even maybe, then, but but at the same point, I think for her, I think for her, Jeremiah and Barnabas were kind of unattainable because they were Collinses. And right. Yeah. She was a servant. He was just like a down to earth guy. He was a down to earth guy. He was the jailer. He was studying law. He wasn't some prestigious guy in the community. Right. Yeah. He's the only one who showed like understanding towards her mm-hmm. without any judgment. And truly, she just doesn't want to see anything bad happen to him. Yeah. And there's a cute moment where Vicky is thanking Peter for everything he's done for her, and she gives him a quick kiss on the cheek mm-hmm. and just his smile. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. He's like, she's like, what? She's Little like, hearts in his eyes. <laughs> he's like, I guess you are from another century. He's like, women here don't do things like that. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yeah. Sorry. Like, that didn't mean I didn't approve. Yeah. He's like, do it some more. <laughs> but I thought that was cute. How about, how about even things out on the other side? <laughs> he, had, he had a good reaction to, yeah. to that moment. It was cute. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, they end up, while they're talking, he ends up going over and pulling out the Collins family history book that she retrieved. Mm-hmm. P- Peter hid it for her. Yeah, yeah. And they start to flip through it, and they flip to the page that men- mentions uh, Sarah Collins. Yes. And that she will die on her 11th birthday from exposure. Mm-hmm. Vicky tells Peter that um, that's only two days away. Mm-hmm. And she comes up with the idea that if they can just get her to not go outside until after her birthday, then maybe they can prevent that part of history from happening. Yeah, yeah. It's like Vicky said before, she's like, maybe I was sent here to change things. And right. now that Jeremiah is dead and Barnabas is dead, which the history book didn't mention at all, right? maybe I can change this. Mm-hmm. You know, because they've already seen tragedy and now Sarah's going to die too. I think Vicky, the whole time she was in 1795, she tried her best to get history from repeating itself. She tried it with Josette. Mm-hmm. She tried it with Sarah. She tried it with, with Jeremiah. And she knew that the marriage of Jeremiah and Josette, she figured out quickly that if that were going to happen, that Jeremiah was definitely going to die. Yeah. So. And that's when she asks Peter to go to Collinwood and ask Naomi himself if she would come to speak with her down at the jail. Yeah. And it's a matter of life or death. It's a matter of life and death. Mm-hmm. So we flash over to Collinwood and Sarah is looking for Josette. Mm-hmm. She's coming down the stairs with a little package in her hand mm-hmm. and she's made a gift for Josette since lately she's been so sad and yeah. lonely. She shows her mother um, the candle. She made a candle for Josette. Mm-hmm. She unwraps it and shows her and she's like, Riggs showed me how to make it. Um, it's said that when someone you love has gone away, if you put a candle in your window, they'll come home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she knows Josette misses Barnabas, and so does she, Mm -hmm. just as much, probably if not more. Mm -hmm. So the candle seems a bit for the both of them. And all the while, they are telling Sarah as well that he has gone away for a very long time. They haven't even told Sarah the truth. Yeah, Sarah doesn't even know. She she She, was like, he'll probably be gone probably till after you're grown at least. Yeah. And she believes that Barnabas didn't want to go away Mm -hmm. and that she will light the candle herself that Mm -hmm. night. She just decides, I'm going to light the candle myself tonight, and you'll see. We flash to Ben. He's in the graveyard, and at the stroke of dusk, I mean, he's just entered the graveyard. Yes. And that is what time it is. And he meets Barnabas and says that he needs to talk to him. And he advises Barnabas not to go into the village tonight. 
Because of strongly. all the attacks, yes. Because of all the attacks, and everyone's pretty worked up. And he does not want um, him to be caught. Yeah. Of he, course. Yeah. He's the most loyal person he's to like, there, there's a big old frenzy there's a big old hullabaloo downtown and yeah and you got it you got to just lay low for a while <laughs> yeah and he informs uh, barnabas informs ben that he will not be going to the village tonight by chance huh yes. i'm not going to do it tonight he has other plans mm-hmm. he tells ben the promise he made to josette before he died and that he wants to make good on that that mm-hmm. he, w- he would return to her. Mm-hmm. He, like, and he wants to make good on that. Of course, Ben doesn't think it's a good idea either. Mm-hmm. He says telling her you'd come back for her and actually coming back from the dead are two different things. Right. You know, a lot of people, it, that, that's just something that people who know they're going to die, I'll, I'll come back for you, you know, don't forget me. And, yeah. But these two, Barnabas but and Josette, yeah, yeah. They, they believed it. They took it to heart. Barnabas decides he will not see her he Mm -hmm. decides i won't quote unquote see her rather he'll leave just leave something for her right he'll gradually return is um imminent imminent yes yeah yes 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 that's when we flash to naomi coming to the jail yes so so naomi shows up at the jail vicky thanks her up and down he was like well this young man told me that it was a life life and death situation so yeah and vicky tells her what she knows from the book and let's just say there is no book and I had a premonition and, I, and I'm wrong. She's like, please, please just keep Sarah indoors until after her birthday. What harm could could there be? Right. Because Naomi is like, I don't think you're a witch, but what they what they say about you could be true. And she's like, look, that's not important. You know how I feel about Sarah. Yeah. You know, you know that I care for her deeply and you know that Sarah cares deeply for me. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't want to see anything happen to her. So please, please, for her life, please do this. And Naomi's like, okay, okay. And I would just like to say that Naomi was grieving deeply also. Mm-hmm. Her only son is dead now. Yeah. And I can imagine she was feeling tremendous, a tremendous amount of sorrow. Mm-hmm. And even so, she let Vicky say her piece and she did heed the warning. Even if she did have her doubts, what they said about you could be true. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is the way that Josette should have reacted. Yeah. But in her spoiled, selfish way, she threw a temper tantrum at Vicky instead. Yeah. If nothing else, she just wants to be with Sarah because of because of what Vicky has just said. But unfortunately, Naomi is too late, and Sarah has already left Collinwood. And I think it also helped that Vicky came clean to Naomi that it was Josette that told her the truth about what happened to Barnabas, Mm -hmm. like that he hadn't gone away, that he's dead. Right. She knows the truth. And Naomi, of course, was uneasy about that, too, because Joshua, of course, didn't want anybody to know. Right. She also tells Naomi about the family history book that she has, and that in the book that it says Barnabas went to England. Mm -hmm. But like that, she came clean. Right. She was like, the book tells history as it was written. It's not. It's not necessarily the truth. Right. Yeah. Not about dying. Right. And she goes on to tell her the truth about Sarah after that, and not letting her outside after her birthday and everything. So, so I think all of that. Vicky coming clean to Naomi about all of this stuff is like. You still could be the witch, but like she was telling Millicent, it's like a, a witch wouldn't warn you. Right. It's like she's coming clean about all of this. Right. Like, I just don't feel it in my bones. <laughs> right, exactly. And Naomi, Naomi never, I mean, she had her doubts, but the whole time she was firm. This woman is not a witch. She's this woman. She not always a witch. stood up for her. She, 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 st- she stood firm on that. Yeah. And because Naomi, again, I've said it before, but Naomi was a lush because she had nothing else to do. She was the woman of the house. She was the little bird. Nobody ever took what she had, what she had to say to heart. And that, that bugged me so much because yeah. Naomi was so right about so many things. Right. So 
Naomi, she comes back to Collinwood and she runs into Millicent and Nathan who have stayed up late to watch the eclipse. Right. And Nathan has just asked Millicent to marry him and she's accepted. And Nathan also tells Millicent that he wants to quit the Navy and spend time with her. And in all actuality, I think it's because Nathan knows that Millicent is rich and she would be able to carry them and he could live pretty much whatever kind of life he wanted to because he doesn't have to worry about money once he's married to her. And this is when we start to realize just how scummy Nathan Forbes really is. Yeah. And when Naomi comes looking for Sarah, Millicent is worried that her appearance of her and Nathan late at night is going to shock and disappoint and upset her family. The thing she doesn't realize is that nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Like, Naomi didn't even acknowledge what she said. She's like, I don't give a crap that you're out here with a man. Where's my kid? You know, where's my daughter? And nobody, nobody has even said anything up to this point about her being with Nathan or being up late. Yeah. No one cares, Millicent. Nobody, nobody cares. cares. You neurotic piece. Anyway. Anyway. It's true. Like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. There's too much going on right now to pay attention. And there's just, there's way too much going on right now. There's so much tragedy and drama and heavy things for us to care about who you're with or how late you're, how late you're out, Millicent. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares. So, and she says something here now that we're on this Millicent, get lost Millicent kick. But Millicent says something here that just kind of aggravated me. Naomi told Millicent that she had been talking to Victoria at the jail. Yeah. She told her that, that Victoria had warned her about Sarah and, and urged her to keep Sarah inside. And Millicent tells her, well, that's just what a witch would say. She's trying to gain your sympathy. She's trying to gain your sympathy because it would help her at her trial. And she would just cast a spell on Sarah to leave Collinwood just so that she could warn you and get in, her good, get in your good graces. And I don't think that Naomi believed it. I think that Naomi still thinks that Victoria is innocent. But for Millicent to run her mouth about it when she really hasn't been paying any attention to the family. She's all, she's been concerned purely about Nathan up until this point. Yeah. Now, up until this point, Millicent herself hasn't been affected by any of this witchcraft. Yeah. It, but it didn't stop her from having an opinion, and it was most definitely the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And it just irritated me. First of all, shut up, Millicent. And second of all, you have no idea what you're talking about. This this whole thing has very little to do with you. Like, all of the things that have happened to Millicent by the end of 1795, it had nothing to do with witchcraft. Everything that happened to her was because she was so naive and just a little bit neurotic. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the end of the saga, there were no there was no spells cast on Millicent or her brother. Right. So... I don't know, Millicent, just in this moment, maybe not just this moment, I think there's more moments of Millicent pissing me off, but, but I mean, in this this moment, Millicent was wrong, and I know she was just trying to be a listening ear for Naomi, that, you know, Joshua's in Portsmouth, and Naomi's all alone, worrying about her child, and I, I think that Millicent was doing more harm than good at this point, yeah. so... So Barnabas has decided he's not going to go see Josette, but he wants to look at her, you know. So he's, he went to the, the courtyard to, I don't know, peer in her window or something. And, yeah. But Sarah is up there lighting the candle, mm-hmm. and she looks out the window and thinks that she has seen Barnabas. Yeah. And she goes out to look for him. Don't run from me, Barnabas. And she, she just runs out, runs from, runs from the house and runs out to look for him. Right. And she follows him to the mausoleum, and he's disappeared, and Sarah has locked inside. Yeah. And the rain has started, and Sarah has fallen asleep in the mausoleum. Yeah. Barnabas has just been down at the docks <laughs> meeting Ruby Tate. <laughs> and he does attempt to bite her, but she pulls away and accidentally falls into the water and dies. Yeah. And Barnabas heads back to the graveyard, and on the way, he stops at Jeremiah's grave. And at this moment in time, Jeremiah, both of them, Jeremiah and Barnabas, they're both dead because of Angelique, mm-hmm. because of Angelique's witchcraft. And But Barnabas says that 
Jeremiah is more fortunate than he is because he's just a ghost and he's searching for rest, but at least he has the hope of finding it. Yeah. While Barnabas doesn't, not at all, because Angelic has put this curse on him for all eternity. Yeah. And he laments about the thing and, and the creature that he's become, and he can't believe the things that he's forced to do simply because he can't help himself. And this is another moment of Barnabas being that reluctant vampire. He's he's standing there in the cemetery with blood on his face, mm-hmm. blood on his clothes, truly truly loathing what he's become and completely baffled by the things that he's done. I, I can't believe I did that. Why do I do this? You know, he's compelled. He can't he can't help himself and the people that he's hurt thus far is just since rising out of the coffin. He just, I mean, I bet if he could see himself in a mirror, he'd be probably disgusted with himself, kind of like Josette was. Yeah. But, and while he's at Jeremiah's grave, that's while he's turmoiling and over what happened and what is, um, he sighs aloud mm-hmm. and makes an audible sound sighing and, Millicent and Nathan at that point are in the woods looking for Sarah and she hears him sigh out loud and she's like what was that and right at that moment of course afterwards the dogs start howling you know because Barnabas is feeling it and so the dogs are howling and and Nathan's like oh it's just the dogs howling she's like no it sounded human I want to go on a thing about Millicent real quickly because get on your soapbox it's all good but she points out while her and Nathan are out looking for Sarah, you know, he's trying to get her to go back home because right. I'll, I'll do it. And she's like, no, I need, I need to help look for Sarah in this. And she te- she looks at Nathan and she points out the graveyard and asks if he has looked there yet. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's like, a child wouldn't think of going to a graveyard at night. They're terrified of him. I'm sure she wouldn't go there. And th- this is just me, but I think a lot of people, I guess in the show or whatever, I don't This is just me, guys. Sorry. This is just me, but I think that Millicent, and I think I've mentioned it before, I think Millicent is a little clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. I I think she is, and I think a lot of people mistake her flightiness and her just being ill. And like I said previously, I don't know if they meant physically ill or mentally ill, but I think they mistake that for just her kind of being in touch with the other side. Mm -hmm. And she's, of course, she's not all there Mm -hmm. because she's on the other side too, like looking at other things. Mm -hmm. I know it wasn't Millicent that Pansy possessed, but it still kind of fit because it was still Nancy Barrett's, whoever she was playing. And it just kind of fit. But anyways, but it was that she's like, well, why didn't you look at, would you look in the graveyard? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, she'd never go there. But she's like, but look in the graveyard. Yeah, it's like, it's a good point. And also, like, beforehand, going back just a little bit for a minute, beforehand, when her and Nathan had just gotten back from their date or whatever, just watch the yes. eclipse or whatever it yes. was, she, they, they got on the subject quickly of Barnabas and how, you know, he just left so quickly. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I just saw him, like, two days before. And yeah, isn't it lucky that there was anything. a ship in the middle of the night, you know? And then she, yeah, that's what she said when she just kind of blew it off. She's like, oh, well, lucky there was a ship. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the night, yeah. But I just think they just mistake her flightiness and being a blonde. whatever you want to call it. Millicent was your ultimate blonde. I just, (laughs) yeah, but I think you're right. I think she was in touch where others weren't. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. I I put that in there again. I, 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 you know, I think, I think I could probably agree with you. If it's not just me, say something guys. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let us know your thoughts guys. Come on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's yeah. Where we left off. Sarah's in the, She's in the mausoleum. She's in the mausoleum. The wind, like, blew the door shut, and she got locked in. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas eventually does make it back to the mausoleum, and Sarah wakes up. 
and she sees him, but only from behind because you know Barnabas has his back to her. Yeah, Sarah, he's in the shadows. Know, he's got his back to her. He's supposed to be dead, yeah. <laughs> and she begs him, Barnabas, I'm so tired. Please just take me home. And and she beg he begs her, look, I can't take you home. Just go home, Sarah. You yeah. Don't tell anybody you saw me. And she doesn't feel like she can make it all the way back. And then Barnabas turns around, and yeah. he's you know he's got the blood out of the corner of his mouth, mm-hmm. and and she shouts at him, "You're not Barnabas!" And you're she, not the real Barnabas. Yeah, like screams in his face, and then runs out of the mausoleum, mm-hmm. and Barnabas can't find her. So Ben is the one who ends up finding her behind Jeremiah's tombstone, and he's just he's so kind to her. Like he's just this is the other thing that makes me think you know th- again makes me think that. Ben's not a criminal. Right. He's, he's so sweet to Sarah. And you're not afraid of Ben, are you, Sarah? You know, do you remember that little doll I whittled for you? You know, yeah. a criminal is going to whittle a doll for a little 10-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Soapbox again. I'm not going to go too far into that. <laughs> but he, he picks her up and says, Sarah, it's going to be okay. And he takes her back to Collinwood. But Sarah is, she's, she's rain-drenched at this point. She's soaked. Right. And has a fever and she's overall just very sick well and she tried to say barnabas to ben yes in the, and that's when we learned that she her speech was gone or, yes yeah. she, all she can do is move her lips to say barnabas but nobody can understand her but eventually she's able to write his name on a chalkboard and the others try to tell her that he's away barnabas is away but he'll be back and she refuses to believe it because sarah knows she she knows she saw barnabas yeah and she kind of turns away kind of upset and I guess afraid because Naomi got the impression of afraid. Yes. And she's like, why are you afraid? Why would she be afraid of Barnabas? It's her brother and he loves her and she loves him. And And at that point, the doctor has diagnosed her that she does have pneumonia. Right, right. Ben goes to the mausoleum and tells Barnabas of Sarah's condition. And yeah, he's been waiting on like pins and needles, pacing back, back, back and forth in that small space. <laughs> he's like, "Where have you been?" Right. And and Ben tells him that the doctor said she'll either get better or get worse at worse at dusk. And and dusk has come, and Sarah's not any better. And now Barnabas is sure that Sarah's gonna die. Yeah. And he's telling Ben, he, "It's my fault that she ran away from me." And it's my fault if she dies. Right. He's like, he just, he's feeling so guilty and so responsible. And he wants to see Sarah to tell her, you know, don't be afraid. It's me. Don't be afraid. Yeah. He ends up going to Collinwood. Yeah. Yeah. And like Millicent takes over for Naomi so she can take a break and get some dinner. And shortly after Ben walks in and tells Millicent that she can take a break and he'll Mm -hmm. take over for her. Mm -hmm. And Sarah's happy to see Ben because he's the one who found her and rescued her. Right. And Naomi's like, look at her smile. She's just trying to thank you. Right. It was, that was a sweet moment. I agree. But he does do that to let Barnabas in. Yes. And Barnabas does get in, and he sits down on her bed and, you know, holds her hand and Mm -hmm. just apologizes up and down, you know, for frightening her and Mm -hmm. for getting her lost outside and sick. Right. Promise me you'll get better. Promise me you'll get better. And And then he says he loves her. (laughs) And then Sarah speaks for the first time since Since. losing her voice or whatever, Mm -hmm. and just hold me. Mm-hmm. She's like, I love you, Barnabas. I always will. Mm-hmm. And then she falls limp into his arms. <laughs> Makes me cry every I know, time. I know it. Every time. I know. So that that was in scene. End, end of an episode. Yeah. And the next episode, Josh, That's where I had to stop, guys. Yes, we had to <laughs> no, stop because it was just, uh, it's heartbreaking. For real. Um, 
and what we're just about to the end here, but the next scene is Joshua. He's returned from Portsmouth, and he comes into the drawing room, sees Naomi by the fire, and of course he's got something to say about it. He sits there and he sarcastically degrades her and berates her for drinking so early in the morning and says that this journey from Portsmouth took me all night, but it was well worth it to see this scene in front of me, mm-hmm. of, of domesticity. That's a hard word. <laughs> Almost choked on it, you guys. <laughs> but Naomi is just, she's just so grief-stricken and doesn't really seem to have the courage to disagree or argue with Joshua. Or the energy. Yeah, she just, she seems to have just enough energy to tell him that their daughter is dead. Now, Naomi says that when she died, she couldn't help but feel a little bit relieved. And Sarah was suffering and miserable because of her fever. And then it was all over. Her pain was gone. And all she wanted to do was drink and be left alone in her grief. Mm -hmm. And she musters just enough fight to ask Joshua what this means. What does your wife mean? What does your daughter mean? What does it all mean to you? And then she tells him that Vicky knew of Sarah's death and she was trying to help. And I don't think that Joshua could think straight in this moment. You know, he's just got this this mind-blowing, crushing news that his daughter is dead. And in this moment, I think he just needed to blame someone. And I think the easiest person to blame was the one who was being accused of being a witch. Yeah. So Joshua hightails it down to the jail and tells Vicky that Sarah is dead. And he convinced he's convinced that her warning was only to help herself and not Sarah. Right. And then, of course, blames Vicky for killing Sarah. And he demands to know how and... And Vicky believes that if she, she tells him what she knew and how she knew it, he was just going to laugh in her face and not believe her anyway. Yeah. So, but eventually she does, you know, I'm from another time. I'm from another place. I've got this book that tells me what I know. Yeah. And <laughs> he taunts and jeers at her sarcastically saying that he believes her when in actuality he doesn't. And then he tells her to make sure she appreciates the sunset and the sunrise because she won't see very many more of them because he's determined to see her hanged as a witch. Yeah. And then we flash to Barnabas, who is in the mausoleum talking with Ben. And he's so guilt-ridden and and grief-stricken about Sarah's death that he pleads and commands Ben to end him. Yeah. And he asks him to end him in the same way that Angelique had planned to end him. And he's like, I can't do it, Mr. Barnabas. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And, and, but he eventually was like, I need to hear you say that you'll do it, please. Yeah. And eventually Ben says, yes, yes. So... Friends, that I think is where we'll stop for this week. Um, It's been a lot. It's been a heavy subject. (laughs) So once again, we just want to say thanks for joining us. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate all your likes, all your comments, all your subscriptions on Facebook and, and, and YouTube. Keep them up, guys. We really appreciate it. So we will take a break next week. Like we said, uh, we will be at opposite ends of the country. <laughs> but uh, we will follow up with the next week and continue on this story. Um, just as a reminder, our contact information is between the shadows 2021 at Gmail. Find us on Facebook. Head over to YouTube. Like and subscribe. That helps us out so much. Uh, but until... Not next week, guys. The following week. Remember to keep it between us and the shadows. Good night, everyone. Good night. A little bird flew to the window. It hovered there for a moment and then flew away. The first bird of the morning. Nights. Days. Are there still nights and still days? Joshua, you shouldn't have come back. It flew straight to the sun, this bird of the morning. Go, but first there is something I must tell you. Yes, it can wait. It can wait forever, because nothing will change it. She's gone. Sarah, our little girl is dead.